All right, welcome back to Formate Arbitration. Let me ask you a question. If you were in trouble, and I mean big trouble, and you had to get an attorney, would you want a public defender? Or would you want to go out and get the best attorney available? Attorney that you know is going to spend every waking hour trying to get you out of trouble. Or just somebody who, you know, that's their job. They don't get paid much. It's just another case. What would you want if you're in trouble? To me, I want I would want the best. I'd want the best available representing me. That's what I would want. What would make you think that our brothers and sisters deserve anything less than that? Anything less than the best that they can get. So when you're preparing for a grievance, when you're preparing a defense to some form of discipline, don't be a public defender. Not that there's anything wrong with a public defender. Don't get me wrong, but... Be the Clarence Darrow of shop stewards. Be the best you can be. And be the one that's going to get into the contract and find every single thing that you can find to help out your brothers and sisters. Be the Clarence Darrow that that your brothers and sisters expect and that they deserve. Because they're paying us money. They're paying us money to defend them. Right? So don't be the public defender of shop stewards. Don't get disciplined, turn in your 8190, turn in your request for information, not giving a damn. Don't do that. Be the best shop steward you can be. I say that all the time. But our brothers and sisters, they they deserve that, okay? With that being said, Article 16 is filled with things that, that we can use to help our brothers and sisters. And unfortunately, as an advocate, when I get a case file, I, when it's dealing with discipline, I see that the union at informal or formal will make the bare minimum of arguments. It's obvious that they don't spend any time whatsoever defending their brothers and sisters, and that's heartbreaking. It is. I, I would think that we would want to do the best job available that we can do. I have had case files and removals before. When I get the case file and I look at the union's formal step A contentions, They have printed off the just cause provisions of Article 16, and that's it. There is no argument. And they've said that the burden is on management, and management didn't meet their burden. You you are the public defender of shop stewards if that's what you do. Take pride in your work. Take pride in what you're doing. Take pride in that title. Take pride in your union and represent your brothers and sisters like they deserve. I'm going to give you an example. This is one of the most important sections of Article 16. And I'm going to say that 99% of the case files I ever get never have it. And it's so important. The language in it is so strong that we need to start using this language in every discipline case. And it's examples of behavior. And you've probably heard me talk about it in, a, in an earlier episode dealing with accidents. A portion of it where it talks about the action was intentional. You heard me talk about that. But I'm going to go over examples of behavior with you today. And here's, and here's why it's important. Every form of discipline should have this language in there and contend with this language. All right? Make contentions. With this language, and here's how we're going to do that. Examples of behavior. It's on page 16.3 of the JCAM, and this is what it states. Article 16.1 states 
several examples of misconduct which may constitute just cause for discipline. Some managers have mistakenly believed that because these behaviors are specifically listed in the contract, any discipline of employees for such behavior is automatically for just cause. The parties agree these behaviors are intended as examples only. And I'm going to go to 16.1 I'm going to show you what they're talking about. It's on the top, top paragraph of 16.1 on page 16.1. And it says this in part. No employee may be disciplined or discharged except for just cause, such as, but not limited to, insubordination, pilferage, intoxication, drugs or alcohol, incompetence. That's funny that we don't, can't hold that against management, right? Incompetence. Half of them be gone tomorrow. Failure to perform work as requested, violation of the terms of this agreement, or failure to observe safety rules and regulations. Now that's what it's talking about when it starts out on, on examples of behavior. It talks about Article 16.1, states several examples. All it's stating there is that management can't state this carrier has been charged with pilferage or theft. It's cited in the first paragraph of Article 16.1 as one that states that carriers can be automatically disciplined for that. No, you still have to have just cause. All discipline must have just cause. So if they, they cite one of those that I just read to you in discipline stating that these were already agreed upon by management and union, that these are ones with automatically result in discipline, that's not the case. You still have to have just cause. And that's what examples of behavior starting out, that's what it's talking about, okay? Then it states this. The parties agree these behaviors are intended as examples only. Management must still meet the requisite burden of proof or the required burden of proof. Prove that the behavior took place, that it was intentional, that the degree of discipline imposed was corrective rather than punitive, and so forth, or etc. Those are three things that are absolutely massive when we're talking about defending against discipline. Three things that we need to make sure that we look at when we're addressing discipline. And here's, here's some examples. Management must still meet the requisite burden of proof, prove that the behavior took place. I'll give you an example of what that's talking about. I had a carrier out of my station. She was a CCA. She was at another station doing Sunday Amazon delivery. She was in a huge van. She's taking a left-hand turn, and the steering column locks on her. Well, she panicked, and when it locked, she, instead of the brakes, she pushed the gas, hit another vehicle, ran up an embankment, up into some trees. Well, management fired her for that accident. I don't know if you remember me talking earlier in an episode about looking in the case file, looking in management's information, and they have this carrier's call log. She was given an investigative interview at another station, and she gave management her telephone. And they pull up her call log, and they see where she was on the phone around the time of this accident. And there were some texts coming in. So since she was out of my station, they gave her an inve another investigative interview at my station. So she was given an investigative interview at this, or the station that it happened. Since she's stationed out of my station, they gave her an investigative interview at my station. And my supervisor said, can I see your phone again? And I said, hell no. She takes her phone out. She's going to give it to him. I said, no, 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 no. 
I said, put your phone up. You're not going to see her phone. Well, we've already seen it. Okay, then that's fine. But you're not going to look at the girl's phone. So she puts her phone back up. And fortunately for her, the phones, the phone that she had shows no time, like how long a call lasted. So in management's evidence, when they had her phone records, all it showed was a phone call was made or received. It didn't show the duration of the phone call. So they couldn't prove that she was still on the phone at the time of the accident. That was the only assumption. But yeah, at the investigative interview here at my station, he's like, can I see your phone? Hell no. No, we're not doing that. So she put her phone back up. So, and that's when I got on her a little bit. I said, don't ever give management your phone because this is what they do. They copied her call log, put it in the case file, and they said that uh, she had an at-fault accident. She was on the phone at the time of the accident and some other things. So I, I look up the call log the time of the accident, and it's just not meshing. Things just aren't right. And so when I'm talking to my supervisor, the initiating supervisor, at my station, it came out of my station since she was stationed there, you just can't prove that the young lady was on the phone at the time of the accident. There's no way they can prove that. There was a call about six minutes prior, but you cannot prove she was on the phone. So I asked my supervisor, I said, how can, how can you prove the young lady was on the phone? Well, she was on the phone earlier. I said, I don't care about that. How can you prove she was on the phone at the time of the accident? Well, we were just assuming since this phone call came in, it's just on the phone and all these things. So they cited that against her in the removal action, that she was on the phone, even though they couldn't prove that she was on the phone. My good friend Jason Ashley, who did some episodes earlier for me, he was the advocate. And in the hearing, all he does is simply have the supervisor. He says, you cited the young lady with being on the phone at the time of the accident. That's right. Prove it. He's looking, excuse me, prove it. I'm going to give you an opportunity to prove it, that she was on the phone at the time of the accident. He's waiting and waiting. He's looking at him. He said, I want you to open up that case file right now. And I want you to show the arbitrator where you proved that the young lady was on the phone at the time of the accident. He couldn't do it. He couldn't prove it. Couldn't prove his charge. Of course, they threw, the arbitrator threw out the removal because it was so stupid. But those are things that it's talking about when it says management must still meet the requisite burden of proof. Prove that the behavior took place. They will charge us a lot of times with things that they cannot prove. In the investigative interview, how many times have you ever seen a carrier answer questions? No, I didn't do that. No, I didn't do that. Or, did you do this? No, never did that. And management will still find him guilty, even though they have no proof that the behavior took place. When you request the information, they still can't prove that the behavior took place. Even though the carrier said, I never did that. That's what examples of behavior is talking about. And we have got to use that in our contentions. If management cannot prove that the behavior took place, if everything that you've requested shows that management cannot prove that the behavior took place, use that language in examples of behavior. An advocate will absolutely destroy management just like Mr. Ashley did in an arbitration. That is gold. 
to an advocate when that language is in the case file and contentions are made. Do that at the, at the informal step A level as the shop steward. Like I said, don't be a public defender. Get into that examples of behavior. Did management prove that the behavior took place? Did they prove that? Or is this just an assumption? Because everybody knows guesses, assumptions, that, that's not evidence. We need documented evidence of proof. It goes on to state that it was intentional. That's another one that we've covered earlier, like I said, in accidents. You've got to prove that my action was intentional. That's very hard for management to do, is to prove that something was intentional. If management walks out on the back dock, and I've got a tub full of mail, and I'm emptying it into the dumpster, I'm going to say that was intentional. Right. However, I'll give you an example of, of that. Intentional. Had a young lady driving a vehicle. She pulls up to the mailbox. She delivers the mail. She's pulling away and she runs over a stick. It's, it's on the side of the road, just laid up on the side of the road. She doesn't even see it. It's just a twig. And, and believe it or not, <laughs> her tire hits this twig and part of the twig pops up and hits her in the head. It was as freaking accident as you'll ever see. It was crazy. You couldn't have, you could have sat that twig there a million times and never had that happen again. So she runs over this twig and the twig pops up, hits her in the head and, and cuts her a little bit on the head. Management issues her a seven day suspension for that saying that she was being unsafe. How in the hell can you say that that act was intentional? You couldn't have done that again to save your life. So what management say is she intentionally hit that stick so that it could fly up and hit her in the head. But that's what that's talking about. You have to prove that my act was intentional. Management has a hard time doing that. Like I said, there's obvious things. If they're watching me and I'm driving through the intersection with my door open, talking on the cell phone, that's intentional. We have a hard time getting out of that. But when the JCAM talks about intentional on examples of behavior, Look at that. Look at that discipline. Look at what they're citing. Is the act intentional? If it's not, then make sure we put examples of behavior in there and say, hey, look, this is, an, this is a provision in Article 16. These are things, what does it state? Management must still meet the requisite burden of proof. That word must. We talk about that all the time. Must. doesn't say management may. Management might. It said management must. Still meet the requisite burden of proof, prove that the behavior took place, that it was intentional, and also that the degree of discipline imposed was corrective rather than punitive. Like I said, I'm going to have my formal A come in here and talk about corrective rather than punitive because it's all through the, the JCAM, all through Article 16. But a problem we have in this installation, and you may have in yours, is that management, when they don't have a good case file, they'll shoot high hoping to get something lower. They'll issue a seven-day on something foolish, thinking it might scare us, and we'll take a letter of warning. I'm dealing with that right now in a case that I've got coming up. Management shot as high as they can shoot with no evidence, no, no case file whatsoever. There's no case against this individual whatsoever. And what's the first thing they say? Well, we'll take a seven-day for it. <laughs> no, you're going to take a rescind and remove for it. That's what you're going to take. But make sure that that discipline is corrective rather than punitive. If it's something petty that could have been dealt with with just a discussion, 
and they issue discipline, that's not corrective. If it's something, maybe I, maybe I had a minor accident, and they give me a seven-day for that, and I have no discipline, that's not corrective. Okay? We'll get into much more of the corrective rather than punitive in that episode. There are great sites with that. My, my formula is going to talk about that. But make sure that the, the, the discipline is corrective rather than punitive. Okay? These, believe it or not, these are things that we miss a lot and we shouldn't. It's because we're too busy being public defenders and not being Clarence Darrow's. We've got to be the best. And to be the best, we've got to use everything at our disposal. It's no different than if you're going on a hunting trip and you go pick up your buddy and y'all are going to go hunting for the weekend and he's loading up his stuff and he brings out his bow and arrow and he has one arrow in the quiver. You know right there, this dude ain't serious. He's not taking this serious. Don't, don't put one arrow in the quiver for us. Make sure that thing's got every arrow available. And that's getting into Article 16 and getting into those provisions like, correct, like examples of behavior and finding those things that we can use to defend our brothers and sisters. It ends up like this. Principles of just cause apply to these specific examples of misconduct, as well as to any other conduct for which management issues discipline. And all that's saying is that all discipline must meet just cause. Management must meet just cause to issue me discipline. And I'll go when we go with the just cause provisions, we'll get into that in depth then. Okay? A very short episode. But man, let's let's take our time. Let's be great defenders of our brothers and sisters. Let's use everything that we can use to defend them in every single instance. Because a letter warning is my brother and sister's first step to their removal. And let's put our due diligence in on that. And let's be great defenders, okay? Shorter episode, but I think it's an important one. It's a, it's a great one for building our contentions and building our case file. Examples of behavior, page 16.3. Y'all use it. Don't be public defenders. All right. <laughs> y'all take care of yourselves. I hope y'all have a fantastic rest of the day. Oh, yeah. Subscribe if, if you haven't. I'd appreciate it greatly. Subscribe. If you want to leave a review or a comment, that'd be fantastic as well. Can't hurt my feelings. So say whatever you want to say. All right. <laughs> y'all take care of yourselves. Have a great day. See you on the other side. Bye-bye.